Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Four people that will ruin your life. Four people that will ruin your life. You know, the Bible says, let's read it actually, Proverbs 13, 20. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. He who walks with the wise will also become wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Now turn to, actually, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read this too. He that walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of a fool will be destroyed. That means no matter the anointing you have, no matter the destiny that God has on your life, your, who you surround yourself with will ultimately dictate where you go in life. If you're surrounded by, the Bible says it, this is not my words, if you're surrounded by fools, you will be destroyed. What is a fool? In the Bible's definition of a fool is someone, well, several definitions in the Bible about a fool, but number one is someone who doesn't, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Someone who doesn't, who, who, who not, doesn't believe in God. Who has a, a vehement, violent attitude toward, there is no God. The Bible says the companion of a fool will be destroyed. Meaning no matter what God wants done in your life, if you surround yourself with people like that, ultimately you're going to reap destruction. 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 2. Sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of hearers. Be diligent to present yourself a worker approved to God, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun idle and profane babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Meaning, cut off people in your life that, that, don't, that are foolish. Cut out people in your life that don't know what they're talking about. Cut out people in your life that aren't on the same path that you're on. You know, if you go to an airport and you have, you, you're, you're, you're trying to fly out to Detroit and you're hanging around the gate that is flying out to South Africa or flying out to Australia because you saw a friend there and you decided to catch up. But then, because you got carried away in conversation, he, his gate gets called that their flight's about to depart, so he's getting called to his gate. But then you realize, oh, I'm about six gates away from my own gate. You run to your own gate and you realize now that your flight already departed 45 minutes ago. What happened? If you hang around people at the wrong gate on the flight that, of, of a different flight that you're trying to take, you can't complain when you miss your flight. You know, if someone's hanging around one gate and is attempting to fly out to a certain area, but they're at the wrong gate, you, you, you'll get yourself in a real mess hanging out like that. The moral of the story there is that you got to hang around people that are taking the same flight that you're taking if you want to arrive at the same place that you're desiring to arrive at. Shun profane and idle babblings, meaning cast them out, ignore people like that. For their message will spread like cancer. 
Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this kind, who have strayed concerning truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed. They overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood, clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone will cleanse himself, notice how it says cleanse himself. doesn't say God will do the cleansing for you. It says if anyone will cleanse himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they will only generate more problems for you. The Bible says here that there is a, in a large house, there are vessels for honor and there are vessels for dishonor. There are vessels of gold, of silver, and of precious stones. And then there are vessels of wood, hay, and straw that, that are, you know, common vessels. Meaning there are different utensils. You know, there's, I grew up in a, an Italian home. My mom had utensils, cutlery, forks, knives that were reserved only for when high-quality qual- high people came over. Like if the pastor came over or some, or it was like, a, you know, some, someone they highly respected, they would take out these beautiful Henkel knives and forks and spoons that had such a nice, you know, a, a great artistic fashioning to them. But then when anyone else, like our cousins came over, anyone just like, you know, common that would come, family, people that we were familiar with, they'd take out whatever they had. And if it was like a larger event, they'd take out like plastic forks and plastic plastic knives. But that's what the Bible's saying. In a large house, there are vessels, there are utensils that God uses, like the gold utensils, silver utensils, precious stones, to accomplish His greatest works on the earth. But then... There are some people in the kingdom of God that are more like plastic forks to God. They, because they haven't cleansed themselves of the latter. Meaning they haven't cleansed themselves from people who spread message like cancer. People that spread, you know, unbelief. People that spread negative influences in your life. Because you don't cleanse yourself from people like that. You stay at the same level. And as a result, you remain as a plastic fork in the hand of God. Turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark the 8th chapter. Before we get into four people to cut out of your life, you have to identify if you're even serious with the Lord. Because only serious people will take serious actions like this. Only dedicated people will take actions to cleanse, like like Paul told Timothy, cleanse yourselves from the latter and you will be a, a, a vessel for honorable use. We understand there's not many people, even in the Christian kingdom, even in church, people that sit next to you at church that aren't even interested in being a vessel for honor. There's a lot of people that go to church that don't actually care about being used by God. They don't care to to do anything great. They just want to ride out the message of salvation, do nothing great in life just so that they can make heaven by the skin of their teeth and then enjoy whatever reward they get, which it won't be much. You know, the Bible says in Revelations that at the last, after everything is said and done, God will wipe away tears from people's faces. What is that tear? Why would people be tearing and crying in heaven? 
if it wasn't for God showing people, showing the church, showing Christians, this is what you could have done had you cleansed it, had you dedicated yourself for godliness. This is the life you could have had. But because you decided to live apathetically, because you decided to live with an indifferent spirit, because you decided to live, to just make it to heaven, that was your ultimate goal, just making it to heaven. Because of that, you will, people will actually be crying in heaven because they saw what they forsook on earth by living a casual Christianity. But I know that's not you. That's why you're tuned into this broadcast on a Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. When you could be doing anything else. Even if you have your lunch break right now. You could be, you know, watching God knows what. Jimmy Fallon retakes or whatever. Who knows? People watch everything. But instead you say, I'm going to watch. I'm going to listen to what the Word of God has to say today. I'm going to press. I'm going to draw near to God. Knowing that those that draw near to God, God will draw near to them. And when God draws near to a man, it's to lift them up. It's to lift them higher. God knows. Never never draws near to a man without pushing that man or woman to a next level. You will have that level change today in the name of Jesus Christ. You will experience a drastic change of levels today in Jesus' name as you learn what the Word of God says and act on that Word and do what it says to do. It's a rare breed of people that tune into a, a Facebook Live on a Wednesday afternoon. But you know what? The devil couldn't stop you from... Tuning in, that means the devil can't stop you from from getting higher in life by the power of the Word of God. Let's read what Mark chapter 8 says. Mark chapter 8 says in verse 34, When Jesus had called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. But whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If you're tuning in right now, I encourage you, share the broadcast, please. Let's get this out. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with his holy angels. Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me must first deny himself, take up his cross and follow him. People in North American Christianity have meant that to mean, you know, we take up the cross of sickness, we take up the cross of defeat, we know in this life we take up the cross of sin, but in the end, you know, we'll we'll get to heaven and we'll be freed from those. That's not what the cross that Jesus was speaking of right now. The cross, first and foremost, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we deny ourselves. How do we deny ourselves? We, th- we cast away. We cast away our old living. We cast away our formal living. We cast away our reputation. You know, when I got saved, for example, I got saved drastically. It was like night and day when I got saved. I, I was living a sinful lifestyle. I was living, you know, the course, I don't have to get into it and glorify the devil, but I was not going to heaven. But when I got saved, when the Lord did a work for me, it was like an immediate thing. It, I, there was a change of heart that happened in, on the inside of me. And I wanted one thing and one thing only. That was to serve God in, in the largest capacity that I can serve. Knowing that time is short 
and they that work must work while it is yet day. Night comes when no man can work. I wanted to do the most I can do to advance God's kingdom because of everything he did to, to heal me of OCD and to set me free from sin. Most people don't, don't live like that. They get saved and then it's like this 18-year bout with sin, 18-year bout with with uh, struggles and trials, they st- still trying to break free from things that they got sa- that they that the Lord really, you know, already crushed at the cross. But they're still trying to shake loose from it, they're- and that's like an 18-year thing when it's not meant to be that long. It's not meant to be about with sin. You're not supposed to. But a lot of people stay that way because they don't cut off four people, which I'm going to get in. Four people that will ruin your life. There are four people in every man's life that if we don't rid ourselves from that type of person, that type of, of personality, that type of, of mentality, in that type of friendship, you will, str- you will have a life that is prone to constant backsliding. And the backslider in heart will be satisfied from his own ways. The, back, the Bible says in Proverbs, the backslider in heart will be satisfied with his own ways. Meaning, a man... The, the Bible says it. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but its end is the way of death. The backslider in heart will be satisfied with death, never progressing, never moving forward. I'm going to show you four people that need to be cut off, ridden from your life, if you want to move to the next level. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, since we have such a great, it goes out, you know, chapter 11 is about the heroes of faith. Everything God did through other men and women in the history of the Bible. All the great, you know, through faith they subdued kingdoms. Through faith they, they, they wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They, they escaped the violence of fire. Out of weakness were made strong. But then it goes on to Hebrews 12.1 and it tells you the secret of their success. They didn't just subdue kingdoms because they were living like the world and, you know, they just were lucky. They always had a horseshoe, you know, they, 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 they had a, a lucky horseshoe, a four-leaf, four-leaf clover that they walked around with and that's why things worked. No, Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses or a great wall of testimonies, since we have such a, a hall of fame of all these great, many, mighty men and women of God that did such great exploits, Daniel, Shadrach. Abraham, Joseph, let us now, the Bible says, cast away every sin and weight that so easily entangles us and let us run the race with perseverance. There are people in life that it's not sinful to us, although some people, yeah, it is sinful to associate with them because of the things they do. But there are one out of the three, out of the four men I'm going to talk to you about today, one out of the four people that I'm going to talk about to you to you today it's sin to associate with them but the other three it's not necessarily a sin to be associated with them but rather it's a weight that'll entangle you and hinder you from what running the race that god has set before us with perseverance and with 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 ease you know people a lot of people struggle in life not because of the devil not because of a great devil but because of great ignorance to the people they surround themselves with, hindering their progress. A lot of people, you know, the devil, when he sees a man or a woman, that's a Christian, that just gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, surround himself with the four people I'm going to talk to you about today, he actually doesn't have to do anything to get you to backslide and to get you to quit in life. 
He can actually take us, when he sees these four people, he'll actually strategically set it up. So these four people come to you right after you even get saved. So they snuff out and rip out the seed of the gospel that was sown in your heart so it doesn't produce any fruit. He actually can take us a, a, a break. He can go on vacation and take a sabbatical when he sees four, these four people surround you because he knows he doesn't actually have to put any effort in trying to get you to, to, to backslide in life. These four people, if you surround yourself with them long enough, you, you, you'll either, number one, which is the worst, you'll go to hell and spend eternity in hell, or number two, best case scenario, is you'll, you'll make it to heaven by the skin of your teeth, but you'll, you'll have no reward there. And it'll, it, you'll be one of those that are crying on the day of, of all things make, becoming you because you forsook the great plan of God to, and, and, and sold out to live, quote-unquote, you know, lavish lifestyle here on earth. But let me get into it. Number one person that'll ruin your life. The number one person that'll ruin every man's life is the friend that will encourage you to sin. The friend that will encourage you to sin. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. The Bible says this. And even as this, this type of person did not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing not the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only practice those things, but also encourage others to practice them too. Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking about a group of people who not only are evil-minded, not only are, are murderers, theft, uh, thieves, backbiters, the Bible lists a bunch of things, covetous, sexually immoral, all these things. Not only do they practice sin, they not only know the righteous judgment of God for themselves, that those that practice such things are deserving of death, they go on, there's, there are people who are sinners, and then there are people who are wicked people, because they not only practice sin, but they encourage and facilitate sin for other people. There's a difference between someone who is bound by sin and is wanting to get out, and someone who is bound by sin, enjoys the yoke of sin, and desires to take other people under that same yoke. People that facilitate sin for you, that's the first person you have to uproot out of your life. The first person that needs to be cut down. If your life was a, a, a garden full of trees and bushes, though there's four weeds that need to be weeded, weed whacked, uprooted, burnt out of your life. And the first one is the one, the weed that facilitates sin in your life. The one that helps you to sin, that encourages sin, that say, well, it's not that, why don't you just do it this once? You know, they peer pressure you into sinning. Uh, you know, I know you're a Christian, but look, if you'll just do this thing once, God won't be angry at it. You know, he understands. You know, don't you say there's something called forgiveness? You could just ask him to forgive you after and all will be made well. You know, people that talk like that, and not all, you know, a lot of people, I'm talking about not only people out in the world, I'm talking about people in the church. 
There are people who perhaps sit next to you on a Sunday morning that, that, that you'll be able to identify them as one of these four people. People that sit next to you on a Sunday morning. You know, even I, growing up, I had friends that I went, even went before I left the church, I grew up with certain people that encouraged me to smoke, encouraged, and they weren't out in the world. They were actually people sitting next to me in church, encouraged me to steal, encouraged me to, to do all kinds of, not only practice it themselves, but say, why don't do it with me? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 1, my son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. If sinners entice you, that's what it is. It's enticement. It's trying to lure you in, trying to, to draw you in to the things that, and if they'll tell you, it doesn't make them feel, you know, someone who goes to a club get, gets drunk like drunk can get, and then sleeps with a woman, wakes up the next morning, hung over, puke all over on his pillow. They'll tell you, it, it, there's a fleeting pleasure to sin, but the very next morning, the next day, they don't feel good. They have a headache. They, it's like that monkey with the bashing symbol. Or what is it? The, 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 the rabbit there. The energizer bunny. It's not a monkey. It's a rabbit. The bashing symbol. going. It, it's like they have that running around their head. Because it, it, it lasts. The, the pleasure of sin lasted for a few hours. But the next morning, they have that. Then they got someone pregnant. They don't even know. They, don't, they, they didn't even know existed before last night. And then now they have a bunch of problems. Sin will kill you. That's why the Bible says, when you surround yourself with people who, are, who encourage you to sin, who facilitate sin for you, they're not real friends. That's why I can't stand it. With the world trying to make gospel preachers look like the real enemies. When in reality, if there was an 18-wheeler Mack truck coming and my wife, who's pregnant, was in the middle of the road. And I yelled at her, get off that road. There's an 18-wheeler coming for you. It'll knock you flat. It'll run you over and bulldoze you. You got to run off that road. If she looked at me and said, why are you yelling at me? You're so insensitive. That's hate speech. She'd, she'd be stupid to say that. Instead, if she would just listen, that I'm not out to make life less pleasurable for her, but I'm trying to clear her off the way so she doesn't get bulldozed by an 18-wheeler truck. That's what people think, that the world will try and make you think that a preacher like me trying to warn you of such people, like Paul warned Timothy, avoid people like this. Their message spreads like cancer. Cancer doesn't live. Cancer doesn't make me people alive. Cancer kills. Cancer deteriorates. Cancer degrades people's bodies. Well, there's not just physical cancer. There's spiritual cancer. And then there's people in your life that Jesus, that the Bible says, act like a cancer in your life. And if you don't clear yourself if you don't do a spiritual chemo where you clear you 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 empty yourself of that cancer in your life you you can't complain because the wages of sin is death and if you'll fall prey and fall as a victim to one who's facilitating sin then he's all he's doing is facilitate facilitating death in your life but i'm here to warn you today i mean turn a turn to second samuel chapter 13 this is a very real a very real story, a twisted story of what this type of person can do. How, how it can make a failure out of someone who was to command exploits. 2 Samuel 13. After this, Absalom, verse 1, the son of David had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar Meaning he fell in love with her. Creep, I know. 
that he became sick. See, that's the thing with the Bible. The Bible doesn't ignore man's depravity. The man, ex- the, the Bible exposes man's depravity. That's the difference between the Bible and every other religious, uh, uh, one of the differences between every other religious text and the Bible. The other religious texts, they cover up. This actually exposes the sinfulness of man and then provides a, a way out through redemption in Christ. But look, look at this. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar. He was so obsessed, infatuated with her, that he became sick for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. It was wrong. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. That's the friend that facilitates sin. Look what he did. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man. A very wicked man. And he said to Amnon, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed. So he gave him this advice, twisted advice. He facilitated sin. Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. When your father comes to see you, say to him, Please, let my sister Tamar come and give me food. Prepare the food in my sight that I might see it and eat it from her hand. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please, let Tamar my sister come and make me a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I might eat from her hand. David sent to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down, and she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan, placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, Have everyone go out from me. And everyone went out from the room. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into my bedroom, that I might eat it from your hand. Tamar took the cakes which she had made, brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, have sex with me. My sister, twisted, totally twisted. But she answered him, No, my brother, don't force me to do this, for no such thing should be done in Israel. This is a very wicked, disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools of Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. But being stronger than her, he forced her and raped her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly. So after he raped her, he hated her exceedingly. So that the hatred with which he loved, he had hated her with, was greater than the love that he used to have for her. And Amnon said to her, Arise and get out of my sight. Now skip down. After, what happens bef- between here and the next verse I'm going to read is Absalom, Tamar's sister, uh, Tamar's brother, ends up hearing about Amnon, his other brother, what, what he did to his sister. And he finds out a way to kill, to kill uh, Amnon, to, to rid him off the face of the earth because of what he did for, to his sister. He raped his sister, so he killed her. So he killed him. So let's, let's see what happened. He, so he, and he ends up killing him. He, he puts a whack on him. He pretty much puts it, he orders in a hit. And it came to pass while they were on their way. The news came to David saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons and not one of them is left. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground. And all his servants stood by him with their clothes torn. Then Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, answered and said, Let my, not my lord suppose 
that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, but only Amnon has been killed. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he, his, he had first forced his sister to mock. So this is Jonadab now speaking this. He's saying not everyone was killed, but just, Am, just Amnon was killed. The same Jonadab that gave him the advice to go and have sex with his sister because he, he was infatuated with her. At the end, when the sin had been done, and when the recompense of sin, which was death, when he got rewarded with death, the wages of sin is death, when he had eaten the wages of his sin, the same one that threw him into that sin was on the sidelines saying, Yo, well, I, I, I don't know why he did that, but anyways, I, I'm here to tell you that not all your sons are dead, just Amnon, because you know he raped, he raped his sister. So, you know, the one who was so forceful, well, why are you so sad, the, the king's son? Go and rape your sister. If you want her, just take her for yourself. He was so adamant and voice his voice was heard in encouraging him to sin but when the sin was done and the deed done he's the same one that took uh, you know r.i.p amnon you know there's nothing he you know he he really had it coming to him this time that's how some people are that's the type of person you have to cut out of your life they force you the bible says in romans 1 they practice such things and they encourage others to do the same and at the end when when the wage of sin comes to take its toll on people, they're the same ones that are standing at this, you know, people that take their friends to get drunk in clubs, people that take their friends to try new drugs. And then when they're drunk, I had a, you know, there was a couple of years back in the, in my city of Brossard, South Shore of Montreal, there was a girl who had gone to a club and she decided that day to, to take ecstasy and she had never taken ecstasy. And when you take that type of drug, there are certain things you have to do to take care of your body or else you'll die. And she didn't know that thing. And none of her friends did. So they, they forced her. They compelled her to take the drug of ecstasy. But when she ended up, it, it bad tripped on her and she ended up dying because she was dehydrated. And she, or she, sorry, she drank too much water. She overdrank herself to death. And as a result, uh, as a result, the next day, I remember seeing posts on Facebook, RIP this, R the people that had encouraged her to take the ecstasy were then the ones putting on Facebook, RIP, XYZ, 1994 to 2000 and this, and they were just on this, uh, they, they force you to, they throw you into the lion's den, but they themselves don't even go in. You have to cut out people like that. People that will influence you, that will encourage sin in your life. People that will facilitate, that will bring you to the gate of sin and push you in. And I'm not saying you have to text them this long, para 14 paragraph message. Well, this is why I've decided to follow. No, you just cut. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. You run the path. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, I read it. We lay aside the sin and the weights of people that will so easily entangle us. Then we start to run the race that Jesus set before us with perseverance and with endurance. You don't, you don't have to explain. When I gave my life to Jesus and I cut off people like this in my life, people that I used to club with, people that I used to smoke with, I just cut, I sat all of them down individually or in groups of two or three. I preached the gospel to them. I told them time is short. You need to get right with Jesus. And uh, I told them my testimony, how he healed me of OCD. And then if they decided to not join hands with me, they decided to think I was crazy. They decided to, 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 to cast me out as some 
weird, you know, spiritual dude, then that was their decision. But as for me, I followed the Lord. I, I denied myself. I denied my reputation. I don't care what man thinks of me. Man didn't heal me. Man didn't save me. Man didn't take me out of a sinful lifestyle. Jesus Christ did it all for me. And because he's the one that did it, he's not my shepherd. I will follow him and I'll follow him to the end. And those people that don't follow me, that's up to them. That's between them and God. As for me and my house, we're going to run this race with perseverance. We're going to make the Lord our shepherd. And as God becomes our shepherd, our shepherd, we're not going to lack. We're not going to suffer. We're not going to struggle. We're going to rise to the top. That the, the first person that needs to be cut off your life is the one that will encourage you to sin. Because as long as you hang around him, backsliding will be a guarantee. Backsliding will be an obvious thing in your life. That's what happened to me I had come to an altar when I was 13 14 years old I had prayed a sinner's prayer but because I didn't cut I didn't delete their numbers out of my phone I didn't cut them out of my life I just went as a fool as a dog returns to his vomit so a fool returns to his folly I returned to my folly by returning to poor immoral associations that I used to have I I put it when you associate with people like that the cords of sin that God breaks off you're literally going back and tying them right back on you you're just that's why Galatians 5.1 says, Therefore, if you've been set free, if Christ has set you free, don't subject yourselves again to a yoke of bondage. Don't go back to what you... Don't do the... You know, that's the definition of stupid. Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. I knew that if I was going to take this lifestyle called Christianity serious, if I was going to make heaven, You know, my ultimate goal in life is to make heaven. My number one goal in life is to make heaven. And whatever's not going to push me to that goal, I'm not going to, I'm not going to partake of. I'm not going to flirt with it. I'm not going to tempt myself with it. You know, temptations actually can leave you if you'll set your life up in a way where temptation can't even get to you. There's a way where you don't have to be tempted eight times a day, ten times a day to do the things that you're trying to break free from. But it takes What you must do, it takes setting yourself, restructuring your life in a way where people like this don't have a voice in your life. Look at Jonadab. Go and do it. Go. You you want your sister? Take her. And then when everything was said and done, he was on the side. Well, David, I, I don't know what he did. They don't care for you. They want you dead. They don't care for you. Number two, people who want to keep you at their level. If you want to succeed in life, if you don't want your life to be a ruin, you got to keep away from people who don't, who want to keep you at their level, who want to keep you suppressed. And that oftentimes will even come in the form of a family member. Look at David's life. David gets anointed in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 13, I believe it is. Samuel comes, pours a flask of oil on his head, and the Spirit of the Lord comes mightily upon David at that point. Then he goes out. And he destroys a lion. He takes on a, a bear. Destroys them. Completely takes the... They had snatched the sheep out of his flock. Kills them. Single. Just his hands. With his bare hands. He kills them. Then finally, there's a, a threat to the nation of Israel called Goliath. And Goliath started mouthing off. If there be a champion worthy to come and challenge me, let him come. Goliath was nine foot six. Some some even say he was higher. His, his Taller. His spear was like 13 feet long. Man, a 13 foot long spear. And his shield was so heavy, he had to have like two armor bearers to keep up his shield and and, and his, his armor. This guy starts mouthing off to Israel. 
Who's a worthy champion? If, if I fall to that champion, the Philistines will be your servants. But if I defeat him, the Israelites become our servants. And for many days, all of David's brothers who were enlisted in the army, Eliab, the most prominent of them, he was the strongest of the brothers. He was the one that Samuel, when he walked in to anoint a king, saw Eliab and said, surely this is the next king of Israel. But God said, man does not look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so he was, he was a mighty warrior. If anyone was going to challenge Goliath, it was to be Eliab. So David one day gets sent by his father to go and hand out uh, bread and cheese to some of the, com the, the commanders of the army and to his brothers. So as he's there, he hears the same taunt that Eliab had heard time and time again. But Eliab was too, he didn't have a, a, a level of dominion over the, the enemy that was sufficient to deal with Goliath. He didn't have the power, the strength to take on Goliath. And so he kept hearing that every day, but he, stepped, he, he stayed with the rest of Israel. Oh, I'm not going, you going? No, I'm not going. Well, let's just, who's, who's the first idiot that's going to do this? So David comes and hears the same things. But instead, David had been anointed. He had already faced a 10-foot bear. What was a 10-foot man going to do? He had already faced a lion. What was a man going to do to him? He hears the same taunts by Goliath's mouth and says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And he went out and started examining people and saying, Hey, what's the reward in killing this guy? Everyone said, Well, you get the king's daughter, Michael, Michal, and you get tax-free, tax-exempt, you and your family for the rest of your days and for, for your whole genealogy. I like that. That's pretty good. So he starts... Uh, Asking around a little more, how can I get to the king? And finally, Ilya, his brother, hears about what David's trying to do. And he goes up to him and tries to, his own brother, when David was ready to go to the next level, I'll, I'll kill him. Just, just let me go before Saul. Let me do whatever I have to, I, I will go out on that battlefield. I will kill him. And Ilya, David's brother, comes out. Ah, you're just bloodthirsty. Go back and tend to the few sheep that you have. Go, go back and do, you're... There's no, if anyone's going to defeat him today, it's not you. Go, if, if anyone could, it would be me, and I'm not going, and therefore you're definitely not going. People want to suppress people. There are people like that in your life that you have to identify. Where when you're trying to access the next level, because they themselves never took that step, they'll try and keep you down, hold you down, and prevent you from ever taking that step. If by any chance, if you take that, chance, that step, you actually succeed, and they look like the idiots, the ones that lost opportunity. A lot of people like that. You have to identify that person in your life. If David had conceded to Eliab's advice, oh, you're right, you know, I'm just a shepherd's boy. I'm just a shepherd boy. I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm getting in over myself. You're right. This is just ambition. I'll go back. Enjoy the cheese and bread. If he had done that, Goliath would have, the Philistines would have taken dominion over the Israelites. The Israelites would have become the Philistine slave. There would have been nobody else. That would Because nobody else was anointed to take on Goliath. And so nobody else would have done it. And the Philistines would have overtaken the Israelites. If, he had, if you'll take the advice of people, you have to, you know, there's some people who even if they're looking out for your good intention, they have good intentions. You have to come to a point that if God has anointed me to do something, nobody will discourage me in getting it done. If God has anointed me to get something done, there's no man, I don't care how highly I respect him, there's nobody 
that'll discourage me from getting it done. Because David was anointed to take out Goliath and lead Israel into prosperity. But if he had heeded the advice of, the advice of Eliab, the companion of a fool will be destroyed. You know, if you take a bucket of crabs and you have 10 crabs in a bucket and it's not a high bucket and they'll, they'll try and climb on each other and try and get out that bucket. But then as soon as he's about to fall over and about to get out of that bucket and, and break free, another crab's claw will grab it and bring it right back down. That's what that type of friend will do. Whenever you get to a height where you're actually about to break free, you're actually about to, to break through and do what no man's ever done in your family, in your house, no man's ever done in your nation, all of a sudden someone will come out and just bring you back down. Well, if I didn't do it, you're not going to do it either. you got to break free from people like that. Galatians 2.4. Galatians 2.4. If you're being blessed by this today, share this broadcast. Galatians 2.4. This occurred, so Paul's telling the Galatian church that there are some who have gone, who have actually forsaken the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've actually turned aside. There are people who, who are on the break of a break, on the brink of breakthrough. And they, they, they ended up a failure. And he said, this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in people that had false motives false intentions. You know, you got to look past people who seem to have good intentions and look at it that not everyone is well intent. Not everyone wants you to succeed. That's a poor misconception. Not everyone wants you to make it to the top. Not everyone sees you the way God sees you. There are people that you should locate, and we'll get into that after, four people that will ruin your life, but then one person that'll make you succeed. I'll deal with that lastly. Not everyone's well intent. Some people are, are, defiled by bitter jealousy. They see you, you know, in the ministry. They see you preach better than them. Oh, we're not having them back to their church. No, no, the crowds like them too much. They, they see, you know, in, in a business, even in, in a secular business, they see you uh, going up higher than all of a sudden the one, you, you were at the same level for a certain amount of time. But then all, now you're starting to get more contracts as you tithe, you give your offerings, you're pressing into the Lord. And then that same person, he'll start speaking ill, trying to mar your, that person that was at the same level but never took the same step, they'll try and mar your, your reputation with people. Oh yeah, oh no, he doesn't do a good job. He, his jobs, you know, they, you know he, he does uh, paving, he does, you know, he paves things, but you know, three years, four years, your pavement is going to, it's, it, it's going to, it's going to decay. It won't even be good anymore. I would never go with him. You were on the same level. He never said anything like that. He was actually happy. You were working together. But now that you've surpassed them, trying to mar your reputation, saying all kinds of evils falsely against you to try and bring you back to his level. Because some people can't stand the thought that others are, you know, whatever you can't celebrate in others, you will never celebrate yourself. What you cannot celebrate in others, you will never celebrate yourself. And that is demonic. When you see someone advancing, your automatic reaction, if it's anything other than celebration, you need to check your heart. 
You need to rid yourself of that bitterness. You should be happy when people are moving forward. Why? Because that shows that, first of all, if there's any success in life, God's at, the, God's at the root of that success. And if that person's succeeding, then I know that that same God, he won't treat him any differently than he'll treat me. If I'll do, I'll locate what those people are doing, do the same things, and I myself will advance and take on a new level in my own business, in my own life. Don't be mad at people's success. Be happy. Because that just shows that that next level isn't a figment of your imagination. It's actually attainable. But there are people who get mad. Those are people that try and bring you down. This occurred because a false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we had in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us back into bondage. False brethren spying out our liberty. They found out people were getting healed in their meetings. You know, this happened... There's a minister that I love dearly, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. And in his meetings, many people will burst out in laughter. The, the, the oil of joy will just come on them and they'll start just a joy unspeakable, just laughing, uncontrollable. Laughter, spirit-led laughter, breaking out of depression, anxiety. Some people, as they're laughing, you know, Mary Hart do with good like medicine. As they're laughing, they're, they're being healed of sickness and disease. And as they're, as they're laughing, You'll have people in that same service. You know, we had it when, when we were in Montreal. We had people come in from different denominations who didn't agree with his methods. And they sat in those meetings. I, you, can, you can pinpoint them without any discernment of spirit or gifts of the spirit. You didn't need any, any special ability. Just angry people. This occurred because false brethren came in by stealth to spy out. People are being liberated of depression. People are being liberated of anxiety, liberated of sickness, disease, being the, the, the chains of sin being broken over their lives. But because it wasn't the method they like, they came in spying by stealth to spy out their liberty so that they might bring him back into bondage. Oh, that, that laughter is not biblical. You know, the Bible never talks about anybody laughing like that. You know, I didn't, I didn't see any, anything in the Gospels where Jesus led a meeting and people were led into uncontrollable laughter, so it must not be in the Bible. This, you know, and they're ignorant. They don't know the Scriptures, nor do they know the power of God. The Bible says, when the Lord brought the captives back from Zion, they were like them that dreamed. Their mouths were filled with laughter. Laughter is godly. Tears of sorrow is hellish. People have no problem with, I'm not, this is, I'm sidetracking, but people have no problem with a thousand tissue boxes at an altar with everyone's blowing each other's noses. But then someone starts to laugh a bit and it's like, get the garlic out. This guy's a vampire. Let's put a stake in his chest. He must be Satan possessed. It's crazy. And the Bible says, you know, it's not a new thing. These four people that I'm talking to you about today, they, they are not new phenomenons. These are people that have been there from the dawn, the day. The dawn of time. Look at Abraham. Abraham, Genesis 12. The Bible says, if you read Genesis 11, God had actually spoken to Terah, his father. And now, this is not, you know, you're not going to see God spoke to Terah. But the Bible says, Terah rose up and came as far as Haran. I believe God spoke to Terah to go, and he was going to be our Abraham. It would have been Terah, Abraham, and Isaac. God had spoken to Terah to bring him to the land of promise. But the Bible says he settled at Haran, meaning he didn't go any further. He told him to get to Canaan, but he settled in Haran. But then Abraham, if you read in Genesis 12, the Lord spoke unto Abraham saying, Get thee out of thy father's house. As long as he stayed in his father's house, Haran, uh, Terah, he would have stayed at Haran. He wouldn't have progressed. He wouldn't have moved forward. 
But God spoke, if you want to do what I'm calling, I'm going to make you a blessing so great that the nations of the earth will be blessed through your seed. I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. But first and foremost, you need to get out of your father's house because your father will actually keep you bound, keep you suppressed and won't let you move in. He was an idol maker. We, we learned that later on in, in uh, the book of Acts. Abraham was an, uh, Abraham's father was an idol maker. So he didn't, he didn't have what it took to get to the land of Canaan. So God told Abraham, get out of your father's house and I'll put my spirit in you and I'll take you to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. And that's what we, Abraham the very next morning. So I'm saying today I pray a grace is released into your spirit that it won't be, you know, well, you know, I'll ease it off. I'll progressively ease off these four types of people. No, vote today. Set it in your heart. Today I've set before you blessing and cursing. I have set before you life and death. God said, oh, that you would choose life today that both you and your, your family would live. Don't push this off another day. The friend that facilitates sin, cut it off. Everything that my heavenly father has not planted in around our lives, uproot it today. The friend that, friend, quote unquote, that tries to keep you at his level, that won't, won't, won't celebrate your progress. That type of person, cut them out of your life. Number three. Lazy people, indifferent people, apathetic people, people that have no desire to move forward. You know, the Bible says, how can two men, unless they be joined hand in hand, move in the same direction? Unless they have the same ambition, the same direction, the same diligence, how can they move in the same direction? It'll just be a way. If I carried, you know, I had my nephews in town just this last weekend. If one of them, if both of them, I have two boy nephews, one seven and one is, is like three. If they both grabbed one leg each and I started to try and run, I would not run very far before I got really tired and just gave up. People that are lazy, that are just trying, they just try and grab onto your legs and, and ride it out with you. They'll actually cause you to give up in life. They'll actually cause you to grow weary. They'll cause you to throw in the towel because they'll make things so much harder. And not only that, just like diligence is contagious, you hang around people that work hard, you'll all of a sudden contact a spirit of diligence. You'll have something in you that'll cause you to move forward and move harder. The same thing goes with lazy people. You hang around lazy people, you know, he that walks with lions is like a lion. You know, they actually did a study. They put a, a sheep, uh, they put a lion, sorry, from birth with a bunch of sheep. And by the time it was fully grown, the lion didn't even know how to act like a lion. Though he was a lion, he was acting like a sheep. He would walk like a sheep, talk, you know, you do exactly what sheep were doing. Didn't know how to roar, didn't know how to do any of that. If you hang around lazy people long enough, you'll start to act lazy, you'll start to feel lazy, you'll start to feel that, like, weight. You know, the Bible says laziness casts one into a deep sleep. All you want to do is sleep all day. You, you, you lack excellence. You know, ex the Bible says, seest thou a man diligent in his way? Meaning locate men that are diligent in their way. They will stand before kings. They will not stand before common men. Seest thou a man diligent in his way? He will locate people that are diligent, that are excel excellent at what they do. Paul said, I will show you an excellent way. Paul said, that this grace was given unto me.
to labor more diligently than anyone else. And because of this grace, I actually have performed better, have better results than any other apostle in my generation. Can you say amen? That's what laziness will cast you into a deep sleep. And an idle person will suffer hunger. You know, the Bible says the hands of the lazy man desire, but their hands refuse to labor. Meaning they have a desire. They want to succeed. There are people who talk. Empty chatter leadeth only unto poverty. Talk is cheap is what it's saying. All they do is talk about great things. All they do is talk about what other people are doing. They themselves doing nothing. All they do is know how to read about successful people. But they don't know how to be. They, they don't have the work ethic to get to success. People that are happy with where they're at in life will never move forward. And you hang around with them, you'll never move forward too. I have, I, I have cut people out of my life. You know, as long as I have enough for me, my family, my kids, and, you know, that's it. I, I, don't, I don't really want to, you know, advance in the company. I don't want to move forward. I, I don't really want a new position. Even though it's higher paying, it's more work and stuff. And, you know, that type of, they'll, they'll, be che- they'll, never work, they'll never amount to anything. I'm not interested in just impacting my children and my wife. I'm not interested in just, you know, making it so that my life, my eulogy can be summed up in like three sentences. I want to make impact on this earth. I want to see my gen like David. David, after he had served his generation, died. Like Abraham, I will be a blessing to my generation. Like, like Joseph, that by the end of his days, he had made the earth that was going to die in a famine. He had survived the famine. The world had survived famine because of the wisdom that was in Joseph. I'm not interested in just, you know, striving through life, just barely making it. I want to be a man that in the, when I get to heaven and I'm at a seat and at a table with Paul, Peter, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, I'm not sitting back and listening to their stories, but I have my own story. You will have your own story in the name of Jesus Christ. You're not going to fall prey to the as a victim of laziness. But I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the spirit of diligence, the spirit of excellence, that same spirit of excellence that took Joseph to the top, that same spirit that distinguished Daniel, that he was now made ruler over all the satraps and governors of Babylon by that spirit of excellence, that spirit of excellence comes in you today in Jesus' mighty name. I'm not into, I don't want to just, you know, you know, he was a good man. His children loved him. What is that? His great, you know, his, he was able to see his great-grandchildren and, you know, they, they all loved him. They all loved to kiss him and stuff. What is that? I, I don't want just, I don't want, like Billy Graham. Look at Billy Graham. Could you imagine if he was just satisfied when he was at the 10, 15,000? Well, not even that. Let's say at the, at the 1,000 to 5,000 level. When 5,000 people were coming to his meetings and he just said, well, I must have made it. This is great. No, there are people like that. People in the ministry. They win 500 souls to the Lord in, 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 a, in a crusade or something. And then they've made it. They've made, when I went to Peru two years ago, we had over 1,000 people in three days of meetings give their life to Jesus. Imagine I said, well, I've made it. I'm sad. This is the level I'm okay with. You know, it doesn't tax me too much. I'm, I, I feel energized. I'm okay with this. This is great. You know, it, it, I'll just pray the same amount of prayers. You know, fast amount of fasting I'm doing. I'm not going to move any further because 
I'm satisfied with five with a thousand people coming to the Lord in three days. I would fall far short from the destiny God has on my life. I'm not interested in a thousand people in three days. I'm contending for this nation to see a, to see 10 million, to see 15 million, to see 20 million, to see this nation bowing its knee before Jesus Christ, to see this nation, the tide of wickedness that has prevailed up until now, turn back. We're now as as easy. As, as easy as it is to locate sexual immorality and perver- perversiveness in this, in this generation, in my nation. That's how hard it'll be. Where liquor is abolished, where alcohol is banished from the land. I want to see where we're seeing millions of people, con- you know, writing in. First time decisions for Christ. You know, Billy Graham, if he had been set up, he would have never. He, he led over 200 million people to Jesus Christ in his lifetime. Two, over two billion people heard the gospel from his lips. And you know what happened when he died? It wasn't some one day thing and everybody forgot about it. They had a whole week of services. Presidents that still live on this, that still live from different nations came to visit his body, came to, to pay tribute when he had died. They closed off where it only happens when you're a, a president and I think like a, a high level politician, that, that, um, that place in Washington, D.C. They actually put his body in that, that memorial ground, I forget what it's called right now, it's escaping my mind, but they put his body in that memorial ground where people can actually come in and visit his body publicly. A public, they, they named a, a, a highway in North Carolina the Billy Grant Expressway. And when he died, he didn't have like three cars following him. He had a multitude of cars. It was clogging up traffic in, in uh, Montreat, North Carolina, which is not a big, a big town. People on the highway, on the bridges, clapping as the body came by. And I'm sure that was nothing in comparison to what he received in heaven. That was because of diligence is man's precious possession, the Bible says. You hang around people that are satisfied, you will live undissatisfied. You hang around people that want to contend. For a mighty move of God. They want to contend for more. They want to go higher in their company. They want to, you know, some people, they make it to a point in their company. And then, they, you know, I'm talking about ministry. But even in business, they make it to a certain level. And I'm, I'm okay here. I'm happy here. It doesn't, it's not too many hours. I still have time to go home. And they, they stay at that level. They, they're far short. They're far inferior from the level of wealth God wants to put in their hand. You, you know, people that are unemployed, hang around unemployed people. And it's no wonder they stay unemployed. Start hanging, locate people that are not just unemployed, but that are employing others. And instead of being unemployed, you'll start to be the employer where you can actually employ people in your generation. Hallelujah. Number four, naysayers and doubters. Naysayers and doubters. The Bible says, some have suffered shipwreck concerning the faith, amongst whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Naysayers and doubters. People that are, are constantly, you can never do that. Oh, man, that's way above your pay grade. No, they're, they're, you're really getting ahead of yourself this time. Second Kings chapter 7, the Bible talks about a, a famine that was in the land. Where there was, sorry, it wasn't a famine, it was Assyrians had actually encamped around uh, the land of Judah. And as a result, Nobody can get out and get in. So after many days, they had no more food. People were like eating their children and stuff. They were eating their livestock, whatever horse they had. 
And then finally the day came where Elisha came to the town and said, Behold, this time tomorrow, a barley of, of uh, low, uh, sorry, a sale of, of flour and a sale of barley will be sold for such and such a price. And then the king's economist stood up, the naysayer. You have people like this. I, you know, I know, I know I'm sick, but he took my sickness. He carried my pain. By his stripes, I'm healed. Uh, yeah, I know what that, I know what you, you believe in and stuff, but you should really get that checked. Like, really, you, you, you gotta, you, you gotta take this thing seriously because, you know, I know, I know your whole God thing. I know you, you really, uh, you place a lot of importance on that. You respect the church and stuff, but seriously, this, this is important. You know, that's what this guy said. Elijah came, Elijah came to end the drought and this guy comes out. Tomorrow, I'm telling you, loaf of, a loaf of bread and, some, uh, and, and a barley of loaves will be sold for such and such a price, at a really low price. When at that time, it was sold for like a crazy price. Nobody could afford it because it was such a scarcity. The economist gets up. Surely, even if the Lord should open up the windows of heaven, a thing shall never happen. And people that speak like that, people that speak constant unbelief in your life, you get, into a, you get into a message like this, you get your spirit energized, reinvigorated with the word of God, where you feel like now you can run through a troop, you can leap over a wall, but then you get around people that start saying, well, you know what, you, 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 you keep saying you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You keep saying God can do all, you know, the Bible says, now with God, nothing shall be impossible. We hear you say that all the time. Well, you know, I think you really, you really, you know, chewed off more than you can, you, you bit off more than you can chew this time. This, I, I'm telling you, there's, you, you hardly have enough money to support your own family. How are you going to, how do you, you know, you keep saying that one day you're going to give a million dollars away. You keep saying that one day you're going to, you're going to give a, you know, you're going to tithe a hundred thousand dollars. You're going to be a, a tither of $500,000. You barely have enough to even feed your own family. People that talk like that. You know what happened to that guy? Surely if the Lord should open up the heavens, such a thing will never come. You know what happened? Elisha said, surely it will come to pass even as I've said, but you will see it and you'll not partake of it. And the next day when exactly what he had said came to pass, the Bible says that the king appointed that guy to be the distributor and they overran him and trampled him under their feet. He died. He saw it. He saw the fulfillment of prophecy, but because of his unbelief. And when you hang around people like that, unbelief, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Unbelief is the same thing. Mark chapter 5, you see Jairus' daughter at the point of death. He comes up to Jesus, worshiping him. Come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. Jesus said, I will come. As he's going, the woman with the issue of blood, you know, interrupts the things, and, and, and more time comes by. Then finally, some people from Jairus' house comes up and says, Hey, don't trouble the teacher any longer. Your daughter's dead. Meaning, stop believing your daughter's dead. It's at the point where it's, it's too far gone. Just give up. You know what Jesus said? Jesus heard those words. And he said, don't be afraid. Only believe. For all things are possible to him that believes. But at that first moment, when they had said, don't trouble him any longer, fear and doubt and unbelief gripped Jairus' heart. You hang around people like that. You constantly fill yourself with reports of people not making it. You know, I, I know the Bible says that, you know, he's Jehovah Rapha and he heals all our sicknesses. But, you know, I heard about this girl. She really believed and, you know, she had all the prayers right. And she even got anointed with oil one Sunday at church and, and she never made it. So, 
I don't know what you're believing for, but but just know that God has a way sometimes. You hang around people like that, you'll, you'll never have breakthrough. You'll never actually arrive at the destination that God wants you to, har- to arrive at. The fourth person you have to cut out is the naysayer and the doubter. You know, the Bible says your eye is, if your eye is single, your whole, your whole body will be filled with light. Meaning if you'll focus on what God's report is, you'll, you'll be filled with light. You'll be flooded with light. And light shines out darkness everywhere, every time, in any place. But if you, the same goes on the opposite. Faith comes by hearing and fear comes by hearing. Doubt also comes by hearing. Because doubt is actually faith in the devil. Doubt is faith in what the devil can do. Doubt is, is unbelief in God's system and belief in the devil's system. And it comes the same way. So you expose, you surround yourself with people like that. It'll be vaccinated into your spirit. Well, you'll start talking like them. You'll start seeing things the way they do. You'll start speaking the way they do. You'll start thinking the way they do. And inevitably, you'll start receiving the things they receive. But if you'll hang around lions, and you'll hang around people that when even in the, like Jesus, even in the face of death, he still looked at Jairus and said, only believe. I told you all things are possible to him that believe. I know your, your husband has left you. I know your children don't want anything to do with you. I know that disease is in your body. But I'm telling you here today, you have people like this. I'm, instead of telling you, you know what? God has a way. We just have to trust the process. Instead, you have people that will take up the sword of God's word and start speaking to you what God has said. Start telling you, no, I know what you're facing. But if God before you, who can be a against you. I know what's coming against you, but greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. I know what you're looking. I know the giants in the land, but if God be on our side, we'll ultimately receive possession of that land. Nothing will keep us out of the land. That's the type of people you got to surround yourself with. That's when the, when tragedy hits, when trial comes, when trouble comes, if you'll just back up and, and hang around that type of person, you'll get swallowed up by, by defeat. But if you'll start to surround yourself who, with people that are encouragers, you know, there are people that are anointed of hell to discourage. There are people on your cell phone, you should b- block their numbers so that they never have any contact with you again. Because every time they call you, it's always to complain about something. You know, Israel complained in the wilderness and the Bible says the, the anger of the Lord was aroused against them and he consumed them. He consumed 23,000 in one day because they were destroyed by the destroyer because they're complaining. Ah, you know, even if God could open up the windows of heaven, can such a thing be? Oh, those 10 spies. We've seen the land that God gave to us, but ultimately there's giants in the land. There's no way we'll ever be able to get that. You talk with people like that, you know, what happened to those 10 spies? They never got to, into the land. But the two spies that had another spirit, you got to locate people with that different spirit. Locate people with that, that anointing. That even in the face of adversity, they're speaking. Think, even when there's a casting down, they're speaking the lifting up. They're speaking the exaltation. They're speaking the breakthrough to come. They're speaking the promises of God. They're speaking the covenant of God, which His covenant He cannot break, nor will He alter the things of His mouth. Hallelujah. Four people that can't, that need to be cut out of your life. And I'll finish with this. The one person that needs to be, that needs to come into your life. And I'm not talking about Jesus because I'm talking to Christians today. But the one person that needs to come into your life. Hebrews 6, 12. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Verse 11. We desire that each of you show the same diligence to the end. 
to the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12, don't be lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promise. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherited, not explained. We talked about the four people that will ruin your life. But there's people on the earth that are anointed in, by heaven. to li- People that are anointed to be helpers of destiny. People that will move you, that will accelerate God's process and progress in your life. People that will move you forward, that will, will prove to be a wind behind your sail. You know, if you, I was, I, I golfed just last week and there was crazy wind. And we had carts that we were pushing because I, I don't use a, a, a golf cart when I, I play. I take it as a time to exercise. So I walked a course and I have this push cart. And the wind was so intense that it took everything in my calves, in my thighs to push me forward. That's how it is living with four, those four people I, I warned you of. Everything seems to be against you. Everything seems to be counter current. Counter current. The, 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 the gales of wind against you. Constant problems. Constant striving. Constant resistance to where you want to get. But then on the flip side, you'll substitute those four people for this type of person. It'll be the same way on hole number nine when it was this way, pushing hard and forward. When I got to hole 10, which was going the other way, I had to do, I I just put my, I didn't even have to push my cart. My cart was being pushed by the wind. I just had to walk and I actually had to hold back the speed that I was walking at because I was going to start running because of the wind pushed behind my back. That's how it is when you adopt this one person in your life. People that don't just explain God's promises, but have inherited the promises of God. Hebrews 13, 7. Seventeen. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive. Sorry, not that. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. Not people that speak doubt and unbelief to you. Not people that speak, you know, what they're going through to you. Not people that speak, you know, whatever their wisdom allows them to speak. But people that have spoken the word of God. People that speak God's word to you on a continual basis. Whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Whose faith follow, Considering the outcome of their conduct. Locate people in your life. Or even if they're not in your life. Locate people on the earth. That are at the place where you desire to get to. That have reached the desired assigned place for your life. People like, for example, I've located people that are winning millions to the Lord even now. I've lo- There's Bishop David Oedepo in Nigeria. A man who's... who's whose church is like, I think, 300,000 on Sunday morning, something like that. And church just in Nigeria is 1.18 million people. And worldwide, it's, it's a lot more. I've located people who, who are attracting their generation to them by what they're speaking, the, the Word of God in clarity. I've located, I have an evangelist. I follow so closely. He's so dear to my heart. I love him. Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth. He, he, he's won over 500,000 people conservatively, conservatively to the Lord. And he's on pace to winning a lot more 
than ever before in the next 10 years because of the steps he's taking. He's not slowing down at 60 years old. He's picking up his pace. He, he, he feels like he's just getting started now. That's the type of person I'm locating on the earth. People who haven't just explained, you know, the day of crusade evangelism is a thing of the past. Ultimately, we have new methods and new ways to get... The, no, there are a lot of people in Bible college, you know, a lot of teachers at Bible college. They're failed evangelists, failed pastors, and took up a, a position at a Bible college because they failed on the crusade field, and now they're telling everyone else why they don't work anymore. I don't, I don't surround myself with people like that. I surround myself with people like Tiff Shuttlesworth, who's having his greatest crusade. Just last year, he was in a Muslim country where they led 77,000 people to the Lord in like two nights of services. Can you say amen? Having his best meetings now. And I, I commit myself to a soul tie with that man. Where I pray for him. I, 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 I see him as a, almost like a father in the Lord. Where I've connected myself to his ministry, to him, to his personality. Because I want what he has. And there's other evangelists. Even his son, Jonathan. A great, he, part, of the, part of the reason, it was through his ministry that I received my healing. And look at what he's doing. At, at 34 years old, or 35, no, what is he, 37 years old? 37 years old. Having city-wide crusades. Where they said, you know, the days of Billy Graham, 10 crusades is over. He's... Proving them wrong. New York, New Jersey had like 15,000 people in one night come to a crusade. I don't, I don't look at people who tell me why things won't happen. I find people who are getting the things I want happen. Who, who they're getting the things I want to see happen done. And I look at them and I, I, I engraft myself financially in absorbing their message and contacting their spirit. I mean, look at it. With Elisha and Elisha. Elisha had one request before Elijah went. Elijah had a mighty ministry. And Elisha wanted double what Elijah had. And he said, I will not leave your side even until you're taken to heaven. He, he connected himself to the point where all the other sons of the prophets, oh, your master is going to be taken from you today. Yeah, I know, but I'm not leaving his side. You might have left his side, but I'm not leaving his side. I'm surrounding myself with people who've made it to where I want to go. And when you do that, their, plat their ceiling becomes your platform to ride on. Their highest level becomes the level where you start. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 6.16. The Bible says, ask ye for the old way. Ask for the old way, wherein the good way lies. And walk ye therein, that you might find rest for your souls. But they said, we would not. Therefore, they have no rest. No matter where you are in life today. No matter what you find yourself doing, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an agriculturist, whether you're a governor, whether you're a paver, whether you're a construction worker, an accountant, there are Christians, Holy Ghost Christians, in every single one of those departments that are at the top of that field, even in science. There are people at the top that are Holy Ghost Christians. You locate, find the one that's succeeding at what you want to succeed at. Get in contact with them. If you can't, like I can't call up Bishop Boy Depo. He, but I, I listen to everything he has on the internet. I read. I mean, look at the books I have here. This is one of his biggest books, Pillars of Destiny, where it goes through the pillars of what it took to get to where he was. What it took in his discipline. What it took in his obedience. What it took in, in every step of the ladder to get to the top. 
And that's what, and I have, I have pretty virtually every single one of his books on, on at least on every topic, wisdom, faith, prosperity, whatever it is. Cause I, I covet what's on that man's life. I mean, if you re- listen to him, he'll, he'll say that when Kenneth Hagin's, Hagen was on the earth, he coveted earnestly what was on Hagin's life. He craved for the serenity that was on Hagin's ministry. He flew from Nigeria to Tulsa, Oklahoma to be in a camp meeting with him. And he said, I didn't even know, I still to this day don't even know the hotel I stayed in. I don't know who was sitting on my left or on my right. My focus and my vision was on Kenneth Hagin. And I said, Lord, whatever makes Hagin Hagin, may I have it. Who must you follow? You have to follow those who through faith and patience, because of the, the, consider, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 7, considering the outcome of their conduct, follow their faith. I feel like I've covered everything. I feel like I've covered everything. I mean, look at, I'll, I'll give one more example. Peter and John, the Bible says that they, they, you know, Jesus himself picked 12 people out of the crowd. There were probably hundreds and hundreds of people. He picked out 12 people, amongst whom were Peter and John. And the Bible says that Jesus said in Matthew 10, 25, a disciple is not above his master, but it is enough that a disciple become like his master. So you find someone who's mastering what you want to master. You become a disciple of theirs. And the Bible says, Jesus said this, a disciple will become like his master. You hang around losers, you'll, and if you make someone who has a low-level anointing, low-level you know, success, then you'll attain low-level success. But if you'll find someone who has extraordinary success, someone who's making impact, someone I don't follow people who are you know, making a little dent on the earth. No, I, I follow people whose names will still be talked about centuries from now. I, I mean, he, look at Smith Wigglesworth. We still talk about him. And I still am a follower of Smith Wigglesworth. I still read all his stuff. I still read all his testimonies found in those books because they bless me to this day. Because he was, a, he was a, a faith builder, an encourager, one who knew the path of God, followed it, and then by his writings, allowed people now to locate that same path to receive the same type of miracle ministry he had. And Jesus said, a disciple will become like his master. Peter and John in Acts 4.13, that's exactly what we saw. They were brought to be questioned by the Sanhedrin. And the Bible says that the Sanhedrin looked at him and said, they perceived the boldness of Peter and John and knew that they had been with Jesus. What Jesus carried was now on Peter and John. They now carried the boldness and authority that was on Peter and John. I pray God will place helpers of destiny in your path today. As you, and you know what's crazy? God will not put the helper of destiny in your path until you cut off those four. It was when I cut off my old friendships, my old people that were going to hang me dry, people that were going to hold me down, people that were going to suppress my life. When I cut them off, that's when God, because he that abandons friends, houses, properties, fathers, sisters, brothers, will in this lifetime receive a hundredfold friends, families, brothers, sisters. When you leave those four types of people, God will place exactly who needs to be brought right into your path. And you will not miss your assignment 
in Jesus' mighty name. If you're here today, I mean, all this won't matter to you until you give your life to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the, I mean, I spoke about on a man level who you need to succeed in life, who, who needs to be cut out, cut out of your life so you don't ruin your life, and who you need to succeed in life on a, on a human level. But ultimately, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, none, nothing will ever work. Nothing will ever work. The Bible says, he, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent will take the, the kingdom of heaven and the things of heaven by force. And unless one is born again, he'll never see the kingdom of heaven. You need to be born again. What is born again? The Bible says when we sin, that God-like nature was killed, died on the inside of us. And in Jesus Christ, when he came and died, a sinner's death rose again and ascended into heaven. He sent us His Holy Spirit so that we can be born again. That the Holy Spirit re regenerates that God-like nature on the inside of us. So that before you were dead to God but alive to sin, now we're dead to sin and alive to God. You want to make that decision today? Make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? I want you to pray this prayer with me very quickly from the bottom of your heart. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you. Thank you for not leaving me to dry but you sent this message today so that I can be blessed by turning away from sin and turning to you. I believe in my heart God raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord. Come live in my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, place the right people in my life. Take out, give me a grace to remove every unholy relationship in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer? I want you to go on salvationnow.ca, our website, which it should be at the bottom of this page. I want you just to go on the link that pops up right away. I just got saved. Click that. Fill out the information. I want to send you a CD I made. Things I'll tell every Christian. It's as if we were having a conversation one-on-one -on -one to get you started in this new life because ultimately... If uh, the Bible calls you a newborn babe, and you don't take a newborn babe and throw them into a room and say, fend for yourself. No. You take them and you nourish them with the words of faith. And I want to show you practical ways to, to maintain, to guarantee that you don't backslide, but you make heaven. So go and do that, please. SalvationL.ca. Also, if you'd like to give today and you want to help us carry the message of the gospel to this generation so that we can, you know, we, we, we're, my plan, this year we're doing one Hope Fest, August 10th. In St. Leonard, Quebec. And it's a, a crusade style, overseas style, crusade evangelism, where it's we're gonna do giveaways, fun, prizes, all that stuff, but then I'm gonna slam them with the gospel. Just get the gospel, the power of God, which is only evidenced through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna see people healed, delivered, restored, and ultimately restored relationship with Jesus Christ. You wanna get behind that work. You know, the Bible says. That he that sows financially and he that reaps the harvest will rejoice together in the reward we reap. When you sow, you partner financially with us and you, you get to share of the same grace that flows through our ministry. You get the share of the same reward that God, when, when I'm crowned with the rewards that God will give me in heaven, you'll be there with us. Through every soul that gets saved, when you financially tie yourself, partner with us on a monthly basis or do one-time gift, whatever it is, you partner with us, then you partner also with us in the reward that God will give us. I encourage you, you can go on salvationl.ca slash give. 
Do something of value today. Give something that means something. Where you want to dem- show God, express to God. God, nothing matters more to me than winning the loss. And I show this by my checkbook. That's how you do it. You know, the Bible says that he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. But he that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Paul told the, the, the Corinthian, I'm testing the sincerity of your love by this act of giving. You, God tests our, the litmus test of our heart for God is actually in our level of giving towards His kingdom. The litmus test of our love for God is tested in our giving towards His kingdom. So I encourage you, give something that is valuable to you today. Something you can go, you can give by card. We have PayPal. And I thank you in advance. Thank you sincerely in helping us take this message uh, across this nation and across the generation. We love you. God bless you. Tune in next week. Wednesday, actually, no. We're going to have another broadcast on Friday. Friday at 1.30 p.m., I believe. I might change that. But keep it posted on, my, on our Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start doing three broadcasts a week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 1 or 1.30. We have yet to, to decide that. But God bless you. I love you. May goodness and mercy follow you every day of your life. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.